0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Dance Parent Podcast. It's Jake and Jana. Thanks again for joining us this week.
1: And this week, we are talking about balancing your family's finances and time with your dancer's dance training. And I love this one. I'm super excited about it. Um, A parent actually sent in these questions. And this is a parent of an eight-year-old, but a very talented and -and up-and-coming little eight-year-old. And she sent bullet points with pretty much the whole outline for this episode that we're going to do. And I'm really, really excited about it. Um, She started her email with, one thing that I would like some of your insight on is when you have a limiting factor, whether that's time or money, Where should you put in what you have? And then she broke down what she meant in several different bullet points below.
0: And so her first bullet point said, if money is your limiting factor, where should you focus the funds that you do have? Classes? Which ones? Conventions? Intensives? Etc.
1: And I think it's important to start with the answer to every one of these questions she asked is a little different depending on the student, right? Depending on... The student's um, age. Mm-hmm, their age, what, what they're working on, where their struggles are. There's some dancers that are excellent technicians and they're dancing really well, but they have some stage fright issues that they're working through and weird things happen on stage. Well, the answer for that kid is going to be far different than the answer for a kid that just loves being on stage, but the technique isn't quite there yet. That's so... Right. I think it's very important that you, if you have specific questions about this, I think these are the types of things that most studio owners and dance teachers love talking about because it is so different for each kid. And when you're wanting help with guidance on how to do more or what to pull back if needed, what, what should that be? Um, but I think as some general guidelines to this one in general, I would say if, and I think we hear this question a lot. If money is the limiting factor, which classes should we pull back on? And here I feel like if it is money we're talking about and not time and not that the dancer is overwhelmed or feeling like they're doing too much or having trouble balancing school and Mm -hmm. social life and dance, but if it's really money, a lot of times I do feel like with most studios and the unlimited class structure – so many studios offer. A lot of times you're talking $40 a month is the difference between taking four classes and taking 10 classes. And then in that situation, I feel like if your dancer is just eating, sleeping, and breathing this, and they want to do it more and more, I do think a lot of times, is it, is it worthwhile to find that $40, whether that's cutting out Starbucks or different things. Now, the conventions and competitions and costumes and all of that adds up very quickly. But when it comes to classes, a lot of times I do think, um, is it possible to find it within your own family budget, private lessons? I think there's a lot of people that shy away from them entirely, um, because of the price. But here I feel like, could it be every other week? Could your dancer do, and I've seen lots of dancers put in, great work to balance out their every other week lessons on their own. And that saves a ton of money. Um, I would even say some of my more productive private lessons this year are every other week students.
0: I would agree. I think that sometimes it puts the responsibility even more so on the student to do that work outside of the classroom mm-hmm. even more.
1: So if private lessons are even something that your dancer is doing, I think that's definitely a worthwhile place to look at maybe cutting back on the finances a little bit as if it is every other week. Mm -hmm. Um, Then conventions, if funds are the limiting factor here, I think that conventions are one, obviously, so we talked about this for a while, we think conventions are a wonderful thing. We've shifted to doing mostly... Conventions for all of our competitions at our studio. So they're, they're taking classes and training over the weekend in addition to competing. We think they're great. I do think that's to a certain extent though and I think that's if the dancer is doing different conventions. So sometimes I think there can be a tendency right now to chase the same convention and going to them in multiple different cities. And I think think then sometimes it should just be worthwhile to stop and go, why, why are we doing that? Sure. Is it just to get the attention? Um, Because at some point those dancers knowing the combos that they already learned in another city, is that actually fueling their growth or is it just making them feel more confident when they go in because they've already learned it?
0: I think there's another component in that too, which is the whole if they're going every single weekend or lots of weekends, how often that young dancer is dancing on concrete as well. And there's a physical component I think that can also be looked at in the toll that that can take on the body after a while.
1: For sure. So I don't want to make the sound like we are not pro convention no, because my all. gosh, we, we right. so are. Um, but I think just even within the last year, I've really started to notice that, They're wonderful to a certain extent, but I don't know that just, I think sometimes there's this pressure and this feeling that my dancer can't be successful if they're not going to a different convention every weekend, and I just strongly do not think that's the case. Now, intensives, more and more, I'm feeling like, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So here's why, and we've talked about this on some other episodes, but at a convention, your dancer is taking from let's say 10 different teachers over the weekend and switching styles so quickly. And they're just cramming so much information in, in one weekend. And really it can be a great thing. It's opening. They're, they're moving in different ways. Um, so many great things, but how much of that can they really retain that is life changing for them as a dancer? They're going to take a few things that are just wonderful, right? They get to dance with different people. I mean, there's, there's lots of good, but with an intensive where they're working with the same people for multiple days. And I feel like I just saw this when we brought Sam Neeson this year and he worked with our dancers for a full week. Saw some big changes because they were just able to soak in more Mm. from that person. And that was in a couple days.
0: Right.
1: So some of these like summer ballet intensives and things where they're training with the same faculty for two weeks, four weeks, some of them are six weeks anymore. I think that's where it's expensive, but I think it can be so worthwhile. And back in the day, and by back in the day, I mean like two years ago, um, (laughs) I don't think there were a lot of opportunities for younger dancers with intensives, but that is changing constantly.
0: So like you're 10, 11 and younger, is that what you're thinking?
1: Well, Francisco, Gela has one for seven to 10 year olds now that we just had some dancers audition for. um, His mini mania, which I think is great, and I think Francisco's incredible. And so these dancers get, I think it's like three or four days, but training with him, that's going to make an impact, and that's going to make a lasting impact that they'll remember. Oh, sure. Um, Broadway Dance Center, Steps, they're doing lots of them for different age groups. NYCDA does their winter intensive and their summer intensive. We've had students go to it. I think that's wonderful.
0: Um, lots of colleges that do And then I was going to say,
1: right, we talked on on that a little bit Mm -hmm. last week, I think. But, yeah, for the older dancers that are wanting to do this and dance in college, those college intensives are probably the best use Mm -hmm. of your finances because it could make a difference on scholarships where they end up, all sorts of things. Um, For those of you that are – and for those of you that are listening – from all, all over. over like, thank it's you. getting right. kind of cool. We've seen that we've had like <laughs> listeners in Europe and... In
0: South Africa and Australia, so hi.
1: <laughs> so a few things on this won't necessarily apply if you're not here locally, um, but check out Oklahoma Arts Institute. People that are here in Oklahoma, it is only $500. Um, I went as a dancer. We've had lots of dancers go, and... They spend two weeks with some of the best ballet, contemporary, modern teachers, and it's five hundred—I mean, five hundred dollars total. Like that covers yeah. their room and board, mm-hmm. all of it. Incredible. That's very worthwhile use. Um, they do auditions in like January, or February every year. Then there's like very specific ones too, which I think can right. be great for dancers. So you have Riff down in Dallas. Melana
0: Murphy, who's great. Yes. Uh, tapping the Network, which was Greg Russell's brainchild that's been carried on with Ryan Lohoff and Angie Carter.
1: Um, our own hip-hop teacher, Chris Nord, does lots of different hip-hop intensives over the summer. So I think some of these specialized ones can be great opportunities, too, depending on where your dancers' interests lie. So... I think the actual question here was, where should you focus the Well, I hmm. think we we covered that. I think there's some options. right. I'm right. saying lots of things that can be great for sure.
0: So the next question was, if time is your limiting factor, where should you spend the time that you have available? This could be because there are just too many outside activities for the family or even a class time conflict.
1: So this one, especially, I think is different for every kid. Um and different for every family. How old is the kid? Where, where are their issues, right? Um, but I think ballet is a definite and should always come first. So
0: we're pretty firm believers in that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking as much ballet as they can, I think, should definitely be the first thing. I would say tap and jazz are next, and then after that, I would say group rehearsals and anything. Sometimes it's competition, but sometimes it's not. I think there's there's different opportunities in different places for dance companies that aren't necessarily doing a ton of these expensive competitions, but somehow mm-hmm. training with a group where you have to match a group and working with a dance team in some sort should be next. Absolutely. So ballet first, tap and jazz classes next, and then some sort of training where you're having to match a group. Um After that, then I would say additional style classes should be the next priority, and I think it's important to point out that especially for young dancers, these can alternate by year or semester, even I was if needed say
0: in my semester um,
1: and I, you know I'm saying younger dancers, but older ones too, I think sometimes we feel like I must be constantly training in Ballet, tap, jazz, lyrical and modern and contemporary and ballroom and hip-hop and musical theater and I need to be able to sing and act. And honestly, all that's kind of true. You do need to be able to do all that. But that doesn't mean that you need to be training in it constantly every semester or every year. They can rotate around when they're training in those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think students should probably be encouraged to do that some. Um, because I do think finding a balance so that there's not burnout is also very important. So there's not injury.
0: Um, I think that can also make it more exciting for them mm-hmm. if they know that they only have a limited amount of time to soak things in or to pick things up or whatever. You know, it's it, it puts it a little bit more on like, hey, I've only got this much time. How much can I learn?
1: Right. You know? And then next year when I get to come back exactly. to taking right. hip hop or a musical theater class or fill in the blank, it's new and exciting and it's it's like a fun elective right
0: there's a hunger there mm-hmm. at that point yeah
1: um extra ballet classes obviously <clears throat> always wonderful and you know i'm gonna say i really think private lessons are the last part in this puzzle for me um this depends on the dancer's age right if they need solos to be auditioning for colleges that's going to become important then mm-hmm. for there to be that private lesson part but I think the other components are probably the most important.
0: Or at least they take priority, I would say, before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then the next thing in the email said on the flip side, can we move to this now? Yeah. Okay. On the flip side, if you have some extra funds, is there an area where those would be best focused?
1: So we really thought about this one. Right and shocker, I'm going to say it's different for every kid again, but after what I've seen this year, if I were to rank these, I would say intensive training first, um, find, and you know, a lot of these can be local, um, most ballet companies do summer intensives, um, obviously some of them could be not local as well and looking into some of these things that are in new york and la and i think those opportunities are wonderful for kids too um but if there are just extra funds that intensive training is probably where i would put it first same then i would do extra classes next and then privates next understanding that that's going to be slightly different different for for each each kid kid. (laughs) yes Um, you know, one thing that I see a lot of families spending a lot of extra funds on though, is just doing tons of extra solo competitions. And you know, for most kids, I don't know that I see a giant, oh, what's the word? Return on your investment there. So there is an exception to this. And I think that's kids that have struggled with, stage fright or confidence with being on stage, then getting some of those extra opportunities to just be on stage when the whole team's not there and you just go on Mm. your own and give it your best shot until you get more comfortable. I have seen there be good rewards for those kids that are kind of struggling with that. But aside from that, I don't think that getting 10,000 platinum trophies for my solo each year has a big return on your investment
0: we've also had kids who uh, they've struggled taking what they do in the studio and being consistent on stage Mm -hmm. and we've encouraged them to why don't you do a couple extra because i think it's just a connecting the dots situation so i think in situations like that that could be another situation that could be helped Mm -hmm. but i agree there is a ceiling to all that stuff i think
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and so if we're just looking and we're going, okay, my kid loves this and they just want to get better, more training is definitely the best use of those extra funds for most kids.
0: Yep. I yeah. think that will move the needle most on, on who they become as a dancer mm-hmm. by far, by far. Um, okay. And then the next thing in the email, she said, if you get some extra time, so now we're on to time, if you get some extra time for a semester, for a year, or even a weekend, where is it best to put that time?
1: And here I think that it's generally finding a healthy balance between studio training with a faculty and staff that knows and loves them and getting as much out of that studio as you possibly can and getting as much out of that Mm -hmm. faculty and is in the most appropriate range of classes for that dancer and then getting outside supplemental training through intensives, master classes, and conventions. Mm. And it's just finding a nice balance between those two that if time and money aren't a factor, this is where like, some real magic can happen.
0: Without a doubt. And I think leaning on your teachers and your studio owners' um, contacts and connections and what they know of of these different places and things that you may have never heard of is where that partnership can really be a special thing to target what would be best for your dancer individually.
1: And Oh my gosh, there's nothing right? we love more seriously. And don't get me wrong. Like, I don't know. I mean, if our kids want to do this, I know that time and money won't be limitless in our situation. And like there, there will be decisions to be made for sure. But there is nothing more fun than when a parent, especially of just a really hardworking and hungry dancer, comes in and they're like, okay, we have this extra time and money. What should we do with it? What experiences should we find? Because mm-hmm. gosh, it's fun. And the answer is different for every kid. But to get to really look and be like, oh my gosh, your kid would do great at ABTs intensive. Or your kid should really be working on a ballet variation and competing at YGP." And then there are other kids where that totally wouldn't be the answer. And it would be to look into some of these hip hop intensives or.
0: We just had a student the other day who asked about Riff Dallas mm
1: -hmm. because
0: yeah, uh, what is this tap thing? I I think it'd be cool for my student. Yeah, absolutely. Do it.
1: So I think getting those opportunities to talk with parents about some of the best outside training opportunities for the dancer. Mm -hmm. I think most teachers just love it. I really think we do. So I would recommend reaching out to that faculty that loves your dancer and talking about what outside opportunities could be great for them. Okay. And then that was kind of the gist of her email Mm -hmm. and her four questions, but that led us to another thing too, which is fundraising to help with finances. And I'm not kidding. We have had, it it comes in and out from year to year, but we have had families that have raised thousands through fundraisers in one year. Thousands, not exaggerating. Um, And it's not necessarily selling 10,000 candy bars because that actually does not have a great return on investment usually. Um, But there are several that have been so great. So if you are in Oklahoma... Um, we've had years that we've had families sell blue and gold. It's like sausage and chicken and bacon. I don't no, know.
0: I Evidently mean, no, it's very good. I don't, I don't even know. eat
1: meat and I've never tried blue and gold. But we've had families that have raised $1,000 from one blue and gold oh, yeah. fundraiser. Um, I think because the expense per item is so high and then I think they get like 50% back on it. Giant! I highly recommend someone organizing it every year. Then another one.
0: This calendar thing. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I'm sure you all have seen this. Lots of different teams do it, but we've had families doing it right now to raise money for nationals.
0: Do you buy a square? Is that it?
1: So yeah, you set up the calendar and one parent could do this for a whole team. It could be so quick and easy. And then each family just shares it. But it's just a calendar, and then you ask people to sponsor a day, and they just Venmo you money. And...
0: For the date, uh-huh. right? For and like, people love it. So on the 12th, you... pay $12. $12, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you sponsor the 15th, and then you exit off on your little thing and repost it, and people get excited about it, and like, oh, we'll take the 20th. But here's the thing. <laughs> I just added it up. And <laughs> do the math. I think in yeah. my mind, I knew, like, oh, i pay for a convention, Maybe. On a month with 31 days, that is $496 just to share (laughs) the little picture of the calendar and ask people to sponsor days. And I see people's filled up all the time. So it's clearly successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think there may be some fear there with like asking. I mean, I'm not the best at this. But like asking for help or putting it out there. What if people don't do it? People do. They do it. And even if you only get... A hundred dollars from it, that feels worth it to post a picture of a calendar to me.:
0: I feel like that's way easier, too than like sitting out front of, I don't know, some box store to sell things, or
1: for sure, you
0: know, traveling to deliver things that somebody bought for you. So yeah, I mean, that's way easy.:
1: Another one I highly recommend from my own personal life experience. <laughs> Here we go. Is sell your stuff. Um, things that are in your house that you don't use and don't need anymore especially with kids that outgrow things so quickly. Um, But especially, here's the kicker, within your own little dance community, dance clothes, dance costumes, shoes, shoes. within your own studio, just selling those things to the younger dancers that are below you, rather than just like getting rid of them when they don't fit anymore. There's some serious money that can be made from this because every dancer needs dance clothes and costumes and shoes. So I think I would even love within our own studio to just see a little more of that um user like band or Facebook uh company groups and sell that stuff for sure and then you can save money too if you buy that dancer's leotard that was a hundred and twenty dollars that they wore three times to convention instead of you paying for a hundred and twenty dollar leotard, boom, there's more money to go toward actual training
0: really quickly. Well, and you know, depending on how fast a kid's growing, sometimes they don't get used Mm -hmm. that much. So, I mean, you might be getting a very gently used fill in the blank.
1: For sure. Um, Another one that's been really successful for some of our dancers is doing a raffle where some families get together, come up with whatever the prizes are. It can be an Amazon gift card. It can be people donating things to a gift basket. Um, And then selling raffle tickets for whatever you want, $5, $10. People buy them. Um, And then they potentially win things. Boom, there's money to your dancer's account, and it's pretty quick and easy. Um, Another one that I think is we've seen people make decent money off of it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but if you're not working or you're not working over the summer, I think this could be great for like school teachers. And we've done firework stands before and it is a lot of work because they have a lot of rules and you have to be there like all the time.
0: And it's hot. And it's hot.
1: (laughs) This one would probably be my my last one on this list that I personally would do, but it can definitely raise a lot of money towards your dancers um, training and competitions and you name it. So... The biggest thing I would just say is I tend to be someone that thinks, oh, fundraisers sound like a lot of work for the return on the investment. But as someone that sees these numbers and sees it go onto the dancer's account, I'll tell you that some of them, they're not all created equal, but a lot of these ones we just talked about can make a huge difference and open up a lot of doors for your dancer.
0: Without a doubt, yeah.
1: And I know that it is... Um, definitely a tricky balance to find probably with anything that kids are involved in, but finding that balance for your entire family, especially if you have kids in multiple different activities, um, between the finances and time spent on dance while you also want to provide your dancer with every opportunity for them to be as successful as possible. So hopefully this episode was helpful at at least, um, sparking some thoughts on that. And I really do encourage you Reach out to your teachers if you yes. have specific questions about your dancer and where the best place is to use that time and money because sure, for most of us those resources are are limited. And I think we all just want to do the best thing for each kid that we possibly can.
0: Absolutely. So with that, we'll say thanks again for joining us this week. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you guys next week. And again, if you have any questions, please DM us or send us uh, those questions and topics. And we'll be happy to cover them on a future episode. So we hope everyone has a wonderful week. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.